a blessed thing to stand against the tides of indifference and insensitivity that have lately washed over American shores. We can trace everything about our present lives to the lives that shaped us, to the people who loved us and raised us, to the communities that held us close and kept us near. Without question, the most important gifts that my mother and father gave to me were the values that came with their love and attention the richest inheritance any parent can bequeath to any child, wouldn't you agree? In one way or another, they're the same values parents have been trying to hand down to their children for generations, and the same values to which I alluded earlier. I believe in all these values, and I've come to realize that at the end of the day, they're all I've got. They're what I'm made of and who I am, and the thing of it is, I know in my bones that there are millions of Americans just like me. We've all got our own core values, our own hard-won belief systems, our own sense of right and wrong, and yet despite all of this common value-laden ground all around the country, we seem to have inched away from these core values. Let's face it, too many of us embrace these values in theory alone, because when the gun goes off and the race begins, we've seen how easy it is to shed these values to lighten our moral load. And all too often, I worry that our young people are looking over their shoulders at the world around and figuring there's no profit in taking any kind of a stand, and it's this very complacency that threatens our shared moral fiber. I work with students in a leadership program at Ohio State, and they often wonder what the point is in making any kind of extra effort or going any kind of extra mile. This was brought home to me one day in class when one of the students suggested that all Martin Luther King Jr. ever got for his troubles was a bullet. Others checked in with their own tales of frustration and woe, and somewhere in the middle of the debate, the mood of the room seemed to be that there was no profit in fighting our big institutions. Now, I hear this type of thinking enough times, and I begin to realize how powerless our young people feel. Clearly, there's a hopelessness out there, and I'm worried that if we don't stand against it, we're heading for even more desperate times. And so I try to impress on these students that nothing good was ever accomplished with complacency. I remind them that change doesn't just happen. I tell them about Martin Luther King Jr. and what he was able to build from his strength and vision. I help them to find the points of connection from how this great man was raised to how he lived and to recognize that it's the same line that reaches all the way back to the Bible. That's what's so brilliant about Martin Luther King Jr. He captured the notion that if we stood on principle, God's principle, that all men are created equal and that we will not respond with violence against those who are violent, then the righteousness of our cause will ultimately prevail. It all comes back to character, don't you think? I choose to believe that true character is written on our souls. It's in our bones. How else to explain how we know what we know? The Bible tells us not to kill, but there's a whole lot more that we know without being told. The difference between right and wrong, justice and injustice, honor and dishonor, virtue and vice. We don't need to be told these things or to read it in the good book to know them for ourselves instinctively. And yet we stray from what we know often enough to suggest an alarming trend. Most alarming of all is what has happened in our political arena. For me, after nine terms in Congress and a stalled bid for the 2000 Republican Party presidential nomination, this hits especially close to home. 
What troubles me here is the way we've developed an us-versus-them mentality in government. There no longer appears to be any room for healthy debate or considered differences of opinion. What we lack are statesmen who put country first and party second, leaders who stand on principle, who can reach agreement when possible and fight with dignity and compassion when necessary. And yet we've been reduced to thinking that everything our opposing party does is suspect and that everything our own party does is honorable, and we've lost the ability to build consensus or to seek middle ground. I can remember being in the Congress in 1994, sitting on the House floor as Pat Schroeder walked by. Pat was a liberal Democrat from Colorado. I liked her because I have regard for people who don't think the way I think. Just so you think, that's all I ask. I don't care what you stand for, but stand for something. That's how it was with Pat Schroeder and me. The Democrats were in the majority at that time, and it was seen as somewhat unusual for politicians of different stripes to have friendly conversation on the House floor, but that's precisely what we did. Pat had just had a hearing on my bill and passed it out of her committee, so we had a few things to kick around, and after we'd parted, a few freshman Republicans came to me. How could you talk to that woman, one of them asked. It was as if I'd been found guilty of treason or caught with my hand in some partisan cookie jar. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. What's wrong with you, I shot back. Pat Schroeder is not the enemy. This isn't war. She's one of your colleagues. But she's a liberal Democrat, came the sheepish reply. These newly minted Republican congressmen couldn't even grasp what I was trying to say to them. That's how foreign it was to their way of thinking, and I couldn't fault them so much as for the system they were about to enter. Good politics shouldn't be about us or them. It shouldn't be about winning or losing. If you win, that's great.